Greetings, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the Community Solutions Podcast. This podcast is a production of the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at the Indiana University Fairbanks School of Public Health in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm Jack Derman, Jr., a faculty member in the department and your host for this positive, action-oriented podcast. In the podcast, you'll hear from students, faculty members, and community partners as they come together and share stories of great work going on in neighborhoods around the globe. Their work focuses on solutions, creating solutions to health and social problems. Our aim through the podcast is to provide you and your colleagues with some practical wisdom that can be applied to create a culture of health, well-being, and hope in your local community. We believe that healthy, hope-filled communities make a healthy, hope-filled world for all of us to live in. In episode one, entitled How to Get a Little with a Lot, we will hear our students, Kylie and Stacy, converse with Professor Lisa Staten, the department chairperson. Lisa will share some wisdom regarding the power of coalition building as a means of building community health promotion programs when there are limited funds. You're going to learn from Lisa that you can't let limited funds stop you from doing something impactful for your neighborhood. Let's join the conversation and have a good one. Hello, this is Stacy and Kylie, and we're here today with Lisa Staten, going to talk about some of her work. Um, so first of all, Lisa, how did you get your start in community engagement? Thank you for having me. And um, I, I was really lucky early in my career in that I became involved and was invited to be involved in a project uh, with the community along the Arizona-Mexico border. And it was an amazing example of community engagement. And I have to say it changed the way I worked from then on. And it was a project where there were some local school nurses who approached people at the university to talk about this, what they felt like dramatic increase of diabetes in the kids in the high schools. And they didn't know what was going on. They said for years they'd never seen any. And all of a sudden they were having to give people insulin and it was just seemed like this just sudden shift. And so as a result of that project, the community was extremely invested in it and worked with the university to really create a team to start to figure out what was going on. Great. Um, You also mentioned with this research, you know, um, it was very community-based. Did you have a lot of money to fund this, or how did you make it happen? In my dreams, there's a lot of money. So not very many projects uh, have a lot of money, especially around prevention, health prevention kinds of programs and there was virtually no money and that was one of the things too that was an amazing message to me was that how much could happen when a community really is invested in it and when the partners are all invested in it and so we really started with almost no money and the project was still going on 15 years later. Wow. So one of the couple of the things that I learned because coming from um the university setting, we kind of always think we need lots of money to do things. And what I found is that when people got together and came together, they were able to leverage all their resources. They made connections. So things like when there was a public service announcement that they wanted to do, 
they knew somebody because if you're in the community and getting a lot of the community people involved on something that they cared about, they all they could make their personal connections work mm-hmm. and and pull people in. Um, the other thing I found is that, for example, things happened like there was a grocery store being developed and one of the members of the team, the community members of the team, wrote an uh, op-ed piece in the newspaper and talked about the importance of having walking paths and things. And all of a sudden, the developer called and said, well, we didn't think anybody cared. So we're going to go ahead and connect up because it doesn't cost us anything. So we're happy to do it. So it was this these things where just by having the word out and having more and more people invested in it, it really um, is amazing the kinds of things that can happen as a result of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how about cultural challenges? I'm sure working in that area, you had some cultural challenges yeah. that you had to overcome. Yeah, I think it's really important to be thinking about walking into any setting that you walk into and be aware that there are cultural practices, even if it's not things that I think we think of as obvious cultural practices. But walking into a community and thinking about how receptive are they to strangers coming in. Um, and I would, I would discourage us from doing that almost any time and always partnering with local folks and and involving local people in the projects as much as we can because that way we don't have to be introducing ourselves as new and people can be introducing us as friends and as people that are committed to the community and that helps people be more welcoming. Um, We also had um, people that were not did not really want strangers coming on their land and our community folks got on the radio and said you're going to be look out for these people that are coming. This is what they're doing and why they're doing it. So there was, there was that. Another uh, interesting example that I think is really important about listening to uh, the people you're working with is that I also worked on a Native American reservation for a while where around an issue around diabetes. And the people there kept talking about the di- that the water was causing diabetes. And initially... You know, there's no biological linkage, no um, nothing that indicates that that is the truth. But as you were there for a while, you started to realize that the water is full of sulfur. It stinks. Who would want to drink it? So what is everybody drinking? They're all drinking sodas, um, lots of sodas during the day. And so all of a sudden you start to go, there is some truth in this that the diabetes, that the water is contributing to the problem, right? And so we need to be listening to what people are saying and not discount it because we don't think it's accurate. Um, so what are, what are some of the lessons that you learned when you were in Arizona that you see including in the work that you're doing here? Well, one of the things, community engagement absolutely is that piece of evolving communities. The other piece that I think has made a huge impression on me is coalition building and the importance of not trying to do something alone. Um, I think there are lots of challenges, a lot of health challenges, a lot of things that if you think of it as you're the only one working on it, it's overwhelming and discouraging. And so really trying to figure out how, how to build a coalition of people to work together. The other piece that I found so interesting that I think is really now more the norm is to have people that are not involved so I work on health issues so involving people that are not maybe the standard health people so we don't just ask the people from the hospitals and the health centers to come on board we talk to the transportation people we talk to the zoning people and have them be key people at the table to understand the jobs that they do impact the health of their communities so having those people involved is huge Um, also I think I learned the value of the 
the community university and community college relationships and how important that is, how important it is from the perspective of doing something that actually makes a difference in a local community. Mm -hmm. And so um, would always want to try to encourage that relationship more and more. What kind of element do you think that that adds in terms of resources um, to bring in universities and to use that as a resource? I think there's a lot of different ways, both um, both concrete ways of bringing in some money potentially because you have people who may have more experience writing grants, but you also have huge resources in the students that are, that are there, things like internships and class projects and things like that, which what's fun in particular is a lot of times we can get students from particular communities to be involved in working on problems in their own communities. and. I think that a lot of times some of the pro, some of the challenges are just having enough people, people power to do things, and we can help with that. Absolutely. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, let's leave our listeners with a, a really good starting point. I think that a lot of the time it's people just really don't know where to begin. Um, so what do you think our listeners can do to begin engagement in community health initiatives? Yeah, one of the things for sure we do a lot is start all over and think nobody else is working on a problem. So one of the first steps I would suggest is people really get out there and start talking to people and start thinking about, okay, if I'm working on diabetes, um, what are the things connected to that? So that, because the worst thing is to try to go, I'm going to start a whole new coalition because, you know, we just don't have enough meetings in the day. And so trying to find the people who are working maybe on heart disease or the people at Parks and Rec who are doing physical activity and nutrition-related things already and see if there is something that you can join and be part of to start off with. Uh, the other piece is if you are trying to create new partnerships, um, a message that I really like is the give and get idea, which is as you're starting trying to bring somebody to the table and bring them to be part of your partnership, that you're already thinking about what are they going to get out of it when you bring them. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we think about, I know what I'm going to get if I get you to come to the table. But being thinking about the other direction of what are you going to get if I bring you to the table. And if you're clear with that right up front, both people are going to benefit from that partnership right from day one, and that keeps people invested and on board. So I would strongly suggest thinking about who are the partners out there, the potential partners that um, might be able to come to the table and gain something. A third idea would be to leverage and, and talk to the people that you already know and find out who they're connected to. So again, even with it, if you're within an organization, think about asking and talking to the people internally, what are they all doing? Because a lot of times we totally ignore that. We don't think about those people closest to us. And um, so I think that's a critical thing. And then find, uh, one more issue is, again, back to the non-traditional partners. So if you're looking about health, you obviously want those people related to health to be there, but you might want the media. Because a lot of times in order to get other people to find out what you're doing. You need to have those people involved. You might want to have the um, faith-based organizations at the table. Sometimes we've worked on issues in that people can't get to places because of transportation, but a lot of times the faith-based institutions have transportation that they can help with. So it's, it's really trying to really embrace the idea that 
health is truly the whole community's um, to the benefit of everybody if everybody is healthy. Absolutely. Um, well, was there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners today about how to really engage in the community and kind of just touching base with how to do that with um, few resources? Yeah. Um, one thing that I think we don't always spend a lot of time in. You'll, you'll see a lot of different groups work together on a project and then they burn out. And that's frequently because you've only got that three people that keep doing everything. And it's great to have those people, but trying to really explore those ways that expand it and spend some time on understanding your shared goals. Because I think sometimes you walk in and you think everybody has a shared goal of what they're trying to accomplish, uh, but that doesn't always tend to be the case. And you find out later on when bumps in the road come along the way that uh, people were trying to go in different directions and really had different um, needs that they needed to get out of the project. The other thing that I encourage people to do is to think about, so if you're a member of an organization and you're representing yourself, your organization at a group, you also want to think about what you personally get out of it because if you personally are going, I'm attending this because I have to because of my job, you know, that's one thing, but you need to be thinking about what you personally bring to the table. And I sometimes have people do exercises around that. And some will come out and say, I'm incredibly organized. I bring that to the table and I enjoy organizing things. And that's, in many groups, that's a really great thing. <laughs> uh, I enjoy making sure that taking good minutes so that they're there. That's a really good, you know, that's that's a little bit beyond the, the goal of the overall coalition or group, but it's important for really the functioning. Mm -hmm. But you need to get value out of it and feel rewarded out of it too, or else you will figure out a way to make your job not be part of going to that group. So think about your personal, uh, personal gifts and personal benefits for participating as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for your time and for coming and sharing your expertise on this really important topic. And it was really great hearing from you today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.